Hello and welcome back to the Higher Cause Podcast. I am super excited to bring you Truth of the Week number, I think this is number three. Um, honestly, I am super excited about this subject. I It's something I've been thinking about for a while now. Uh, I actually put this thing together uh, last year, about halfway through last year. I was sitting in my room and God just gave me this passage of scripture and, and the more I read it, the more I was like, I think this is something that needs to be shared. Obviously, at that time, I didn't really have an outlet. And so now that I do have an outlet, it's something I'd love to share with y'all and something God's been working in my heart about. And uh, Alex was supposed to be on today. He is at a wedding right now. Uh, he is scrambling around. I called him earlier and he is scrambling around at a wedding trying to get everything set up. And so I hope the best of luck. Not his wedding. Let's just clarify that. <laughs> I thought we'd just get that out of the way. But no, um, in all seriousness, he's uh, definitely misses, misses y'all and is looking forward to being on upcoming podcast. I think he's supposed, hopefully, Lord willing, will be on the next Truth of the Week. Uh, he's a very busy guy. He works a lot of hours, so trying to get him um, free to come record is, is sometimes tough. He, uh, obviously, I broke my arm uh, this last summer, so I've kind of been out of work, and so it's been easy for me to make time, but he is a working man, so I do appreciate him and appreciate his input and really appreciate last podcast we did on the agenda in America. appreciate his uh, just perspective on the whole matter. Uh, also, I'm excited for what's coming up. I have talked to a couple people who have some really good perspectives on some different subjects that I really want to talk about. Uh, I'm not going to reveal too much about it, uh, but I've been talking to uh, some of my uh, closer friends that have some truth that they would like to share. And so in upcoming, I'm going to have some of my closer friends, some people that uh, that I think have a good perspective on matters that are happening in America. And then not only do they have a good perspective on it, but a good solution. Okay, so how do you operate um, when there's all this stuff going on? And when I say stuff, you know, the different agenda, right, uh, that the left is pushing, how do you operate inside of that? And still, you know, as, as a Christian, how do you operate in that? And so I'm super excited for what's on the horizon. But today, we're going to talk about a subject of identity. And it's who is Christ? Who is Jesus to you. It's correcting a wrong view of Jesus. Uh, last year, I went through some different things. I think I talked about it on the Needs podcast. I uh, lost one of my good friends. Uh, to uh, He just left church, just completely gone, and uh, we were really close and left. Uh, and I haven't heard from him in about a year now. And, you know, as I'm going through that, you know, and I'm, as I'm trying to grow closer to Christ, and I'm, and I'm, I'm just not... I guess I wasn't seeing Christ as who he really was, who Jesus really was to me. And who Jesus was to me was, you know, he was, right, the son of God. He was this person. He was, I wouldn't necessarily even, and this is going to sound bad, but I wouldn't necessarily call him a close friend. But I realized that the more I made him my close friend, the more I, the closer I got to him, the more better off I was because of it. And and so I think part of it is is realizing who Jesus is to you, not only positionally, doctrinally, but who Jesus is to you personally, as a person. And so we're going to look at a couple stories today. I'm going to tell you a story. We're going to look at a couple stories of who is Jesus? Who is he personally to you? Understanding doctrinally, he is the son of God. He is Christ. He is the one who came down and died for your sins and can save you from hell. But realizing also that he's a friend and he's there for you when no one else May, may be there for you, right? He sends his spirit, the Holy Spirit who comforts us. But Jesus as a person is there for us. And so I want to look at his life here on earth. You know, when he was here on earth, I think he demonstrated some of the most perfect um, friendship 
relationships that he could have. Uh, he not only was the disciples followers of him, but they were dear, dear friends to him. And I think his talks with the disciples, if you analyze them and you see how he acted toward the disciples, it really challenges you as a friend. It should challenge you as a discipler. It should challenge you as a person. He cared about those men very much. And uh, not only did he care about about their physical needs, but he cared about their spiritual needs. And I think, honestly, he cared more about their spiritual needs. He wanted them to be discerned, and he wanted them to know uh, what was going to be happening in the future. And so as we open our Bibles this morning, if you have your Bible, if not, that's completely fine. I'm going to go ahead and read out of Matthew uh, chapter 16, uh, and it's when uh, famously known as Peter's Confession of Faith. Uh, But I'm going to go ahead and read verses 13, uh, probably down through verse 16. It says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he says, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Uh, it goes on and he, he talks about, you know, upon this rock, Will I build my church? And and he's really speaking of himself in that passage, but he, he talks to Peter a little bit more, and he pretty much tells Peter that's the right answer. I think when I read this the first time, I didn't really think anything of it. It was just, I've you know, I've read it before. But rereading it and really analyzing it, you know, I think it's interesting. Not only does he want to know whom people say that he is. he doesn't. He's not only concerned with who people think he is, but they also he also wants to know who do people how, who do you think I am? Talking to the disciples. And I think it's important that not only, and again, I don't want to draw too much out of this passage, right? I don't want to psychoanalyze it. I just want to uh, analyze it from a perspective of saying, you know, he wanted, he cared what the disciples, or, or what the disciples were learning. He cared who he was, who what his person was to them. And then he wanted to know, okay, who were the people that were around? Who did they know me as? And it's important that we keep those separate because in a world where the name Jesus is a curse word, right? The name Jesus is not something that, and the name Christ, you know, they even take Christ out of Christmas, which is hard to do considering he's the reason why we have Christmas. And, you know, I think in a world where that that name is butchered and slandered, it's important to keep them separate. It's important to keep that the who do men say that I am rather than the who do you say I am because a lot of times those can influence uh, obviously, they were close followers of Jesus. They were, you know, the disciples were right underneath Jesus, but they could still be influenced, right? They could still listen to the crowd. They were aware of what was going on around, but they didn't let that affect their decision. And ultimately, they rested in who Christ was. And even though the other disciples didn't necessarily speak up at the time, Peter, you know, the voice, really the voice of the group, the leader, you know, unspoken leader of the group, he he spoke up. He said, you are the Christ. You That's who you are. You are Christ to us. And he was really telling Jesus, Jesus, this is how I feel about you. And so I think it's important when you're thinking about, okay, who is Jesus to you personally? And I think back to the passage in Philippians where it says, but my God shall supply all your needs. And what Paul was saying there was, I know Jesus. I know Christ. I know God. All right. I know that he will meet your needs. Why? Because he's my God. He's met him before. And I think it's important when you're when you're thinking about who Jesus is to you, that you realize certain aspects of who of Jesus' character. Um, and I think, number one, just realizing that he's approachable. Uh, time and time again, uh, we see in the scripture where somebody approached Jesus. In Mark chapter 5, when I talked about the three needs, 
there was a woman who approached Jesus and was healed. And, and I want to read a quick a little passage of scripture, just a couple verses, just two verses out of um, Luke chapter 5, where he is cleansing the leper. And he says, And it came to pass, when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus, fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will, be thou clean. And he immediately, uh, and, and immediately the leprosy departed from him. And he charged him to tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priest, and after for thy cleansing, according to as Moses commanded, for a testimony unto them. So, again, he he was a very approachable, right? This leper, this leper who in society leprosy is, I guess, who can be compared to COVID. I don't want to really make that comparison, but people would have to walk around. And they would have to scream, unclean, unclean. Leprosy was a skin-eating disease. It was really, really bad. It was very disgusting. And so lepers were kind of the outcast, right? They were not allowed in the city. Um, they had to burn everything. that when, when that When a person got leprosy, they would burn everything in the house that was theirs. Their family would move out of the house. They'd burn the whole house down. The family were watched really close to make sure that um, they none of them were infected. They couldn't be with their family. And so it was a really lonely, a really... Um, scary disease. And so for for a leper to approach Jesus, who at this time, Jesus was famous, right? He was well-known. And uh, for these men to approach Jesus was, number one, very bold. Uh, it was very faith-filled. And I think that's why, really why Jesus honored their, their coming, because they were filled with faith. They said, I know you can make me clean. And so we see Jesus was approachable. I mean, when I was traveling, uh, this team, you know, going to the different Christian schools, uh, there was a time when we had some different stuff happen on the team, and I, I, d I wasn't understanding why that some of the people on the team weren't coming to me. They, they, uh, some of the people had a problem with something I, I had said, and instead of coming to me, they just kind of they didn't talk to me about it. And you know, I didn't really pick up on it at first, but then when I did, I was questioning. You know, I asked our team leader, why didn't they just come to me? You know, why didn't they come to me and talk to me about this? Why did they just you know, be okay with it or, or, you know, just, just live in it, you know, and I don't understand why they wouldn't just come to me if, you know, if they had a problem. And he hit me with a really good thought. He said, Mateo, why can't someone approach Mateo? Why can't someone come to you? What, what is keeping them from coming to you? And I realized that there was things that were keeping me or from, or keeping them rather think from coming to me, right? There was different aspects, different traits I had that kept me away from approaching or from them approaching me about their issues. And so, in the same light, there's a lot of things that keep us from approaching Jesus. Not necessarily, and I guess that that, that illustration kind of breaks down because obviously, if we're putting Jesus as, as the one that you don't want to approach, it's not really, um, Jesus is not the one that struggles with these things. It's more of us not willing. And, and there was times, honestly, when I had the same problem on the team where a team member had said something that made me angry and instead of going to them and talking to them I just let it build and it, it caused so many problems down the road when I could have just said something to them but really what kept me from coming and, and what kept uh, me from being approachable right there's there's two aspects I think here that we can learn and it's the idea of the pride slash anger I think a lot of times those run together pride and anger and selfishness so a lot of times our pride keeps us from going to, to someone and admitting and humbling ourselves before that person. Or our pride, when we are, when we feel like we're right, keeps us back from being approachable. 
If someone's proud and someone's arrogant, a lot of times you're not going to want to approach that person. You're not going to want to talk to them. You're not going to want to confront them on something that they've done that's wrong. Because why? Because they're they're always right. They're never wrong. And if you approach them, they'll blow up on you. So there's that fear. And then there's anger. I think a lot of times prideful people, when called out, get angry. Uh, I've, I've struggled with that uh, in the past and through high school. I was I was bullied a little bit in high school uh, for my weight. Uh, and then when I, you know, I'm 6'6 six, six now. And so when I grew up and I got taller, I kind of slimmed out. And now I'm, I'm not, would say I'm skinny, but I'm not fat. And so because of my position, because of how I was made fun of in high school by, you know, kids that were older than me, you know, I told myself if I ever get big, I will, I will be big. And not only will I be big, I will make people feel small, which was so wrong. And, and I look back on that and I was really, really dumb. But when I got tall, I had, there was that pride that took over. Hey, I'm bigger than you. I'm better than you. I'm faster than you. I'm stronger than you. And that, and that was wrong. And it led to when I was called out or when I was beaten, when I was, you know, beaten by someone smaller than me, there was that pride. And it's something God's really had to work on me on and something that to get victory, I had to really come to a place of humility before him. But all that to say, pride and anger and selfishness a lot of times keep us from 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 being approachable or from even wanting to approach somebody. If somebody's selfish, you know, their their motives for everything they do just have to revolve around themselves. And I think we all can fall into that for sure. But if your motives are selfish, someone's not going to want to come to you because they know you're going to use them to get what you want. Uh, and so when we approach Jesus, we have to remember he doesn't have any of those. Right? He doesn't have the pride. He doesn't have the anger. He doesn't have the selfishness. He loves us for who we are. But our own pride, our own selfishness, and our own anger will keep us from going to him. We're angry because something happened and we feel like it's God's fault, which is not true because every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. Right? We know that. God works everything together for good. We know that. My God shall supply all your need. We know that, but we, and rather, when we something happens, the first thing that happens, our immediate response is to blame God, which isn't really fair because he's never done anything but love us. He's never done anything but prove his love to us. You might be in a tough situation. I understand you, you, might, um, you might be in a tough situation right now, whether it's you're living at home and, and you have a tough situation at home or you're living and your work situation's tough. Just remember, God, God allowed you to be in that situation. And sure, the the ultimate the, or the the default response for that is bitterness. Why would God, you know, people ask why do does bad things happen to good people? And it's a question we could grapple with all day long. But we need to realize that God allows things to happen, and He never lets anything go to waste. No situation is is ever going to waste when God is in it. You know, I had one of my uh, one of my close friends pass away uh, a couple months ago. You know, and the temptation is asked, God, why would you let that happen? But, you know, I'm learning more things about who he was in his secret life. And honestly, it's challenging. His life has affected so many people, countless numbers of people in his death. So God didn't let those things go to uh, to waste. He doesn't, he never uses a situation. He only, I heard a good quote. I don't know what this is. It might be Yoda. So don't, don't quote me on it. And Alex is... Probably he's gonna think this is this is funny, but is like there's there's no there's no such thing as mistakes in life, only lessons. And I think wow, that's you know it's kind of cheesy, but at the same time it's so true that there is not only if you look at everything as a mistake, you're constantly gonna be down about it. But if you look at things as okay, what is God trying to teach me through this? Okay, yeah, my situation at work stinks. My boss hates me. What is God trying to teach you? You know that the world is not always gonna be for you. 
you know, and, and he even talks about that. God, or Jesus, when he's here on earth, he says, people are going to hate you for my name. People are going to persecute you for my name. And, you know, if you think about some of the persecution that's going on in other countries, uh, like Myanmar, where people are getting persecuted just for having a Bible, just for having church, people are dying. And, you know, we might go out soul winning or, or we might tell somebody at work about, about um, Jesus and we get a door slammed in our face or we get cussed out. And we think, oh man, we're just so persecuted. Well, that's, I don't think that's really fair. That's not true. You know, they, yes, you might've got talked to, down to, but in all honesty, if, if you endured just a fraction of what Jesus Christ endured on the cross for you, it would be worth it. You know, when Jesus offers salvation, it's a free gift. It's something we can take. He doesn't ask anything for it. He simply just gives it to us. And if we can just repay a fraction of the pain and the sorrow that he was caused on the cross for us, for free, then isn't it worth it? And, and some people don't look at it as that. And I don't, I honestly, I can't say I understand because I, I don't understand why you wouldn't look at just repaying a fraction of what Jesus Christ paid. And I think of Jim Elliott and the missionaries that were killed. You know, they looked at their sacrifice as an honor to sacrifice themselves for the cause of Christ. And countless people throughout, you know, history, you look back at some of the early Christian martyrs, they were singing, praying, praising God that they would be counted worthy, I guess. I don't know if the worthy is the right word to use, that, uh, but worthy to be sacrificed for his name. If they could just pay a fraction of what he paid on the cross. And uh, obviously their payment doesn't save sin, but their payment is just out of gratitude. It's out of thankfulness, which honestly boggles our minds, right? We can't really think about that. Uh, but all that to say, Jesus is approachable. And it only is us that keeps us back from seeking Christ. So when we have the wrong view of Christ, when we're correcting it, we need to realize Jesus is approachable. He wants that relationship with us. I think number two is Jesus is understandable. And uh, I don't know if that's even a word, but I'm going to use it. You know, he knows what you're going through. And he wants to give you rest. And, and I talked about this a little in, in, I think, the Needs podcast, but come unto me, right? He calls us to come unto him. He wants to give you, his ultimate desire is not to persecute you. Uh, he might teach you through a lesson, right? He might bring you through a trial. Uh, he might even allow you to go through something hard. But he ultimately, he does it all because he loves you. He do, he's doing it to teach you. For instance, you know, there's sometimes when, you know, a parent will tell a kid, I don't want you to, um, let's just say, I don't want you to touch that stove, it's hot. And they'll tell them over and over and over again. But there comes a certain point where the kid is just going to touch the stove. That kid learns real quick that I will never touch a stove again, a hot stove. Same with a light socket. You tell the kid, don't stick anything in a light socket, don't stick anything in a light socket. And next thing you know, the kid sticks something in a light socket, gets electrocuted, and it hurts. They learned a lesson. Are they going to stick something in a light socket again? Probably not. And sometimes God needs us to learn the lessons we're not, we're choosing not to learn that he's trying to put us through without a trial. And sometimes he brings us through a storm. You know, when he put his disciples out on the water, he put them through a storm. And when the storm ceased, they realized that God was great, that Jesus had all power. He had power over the wind and the seas and they listened to him. All he had to say is, be still, peace, be still. And then the waters were calm. So honestly, it was a showing of absolute power and confidence in him. It grew their faith for sure. But realizing that Jesus understands what you're going through. You know, when he was tempted here on earth, uh, in fact, I'm going to turn over to Hebrews and just read the verse there. In Hebrews, it speaks about his temptation. And, you know, and a lot of people say, was Jesus really tempted 
like we're tempted in 2022? I think absolutely yes. Sure, were, was culture different? Yeah. But here's how we know he was tempted. In uh, Hebrews 4, 4, 15, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Uh, verse 15, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. So then, in verse 16, it says, Let us come therefore boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I think it's important to realize that when it says all points, it means all points. You know, you, you might ask, okay, was there in modesty back in the day? Was it really, he really tempted in, in that realm, in purity realm? Well, absolutely. The, uh, some of those cities he was in were absolutely chock full of immodesty and immor immorality. Jesus was tempted in all points, but he was without sin. He, he had the opportunity to sin, but because he was a son of God, he couldn't. And, and that's a whole... Uh, probably a whole other podcast we could talk about that. But Jesus, while being tempted, he made a choice, a conscious choice. I am not going to disobey my father. And uh, he was tempted just like we are every single day. And yet he chose not to sin. So he, un so all that to say, he understands what you're going through. He understands maybe the sin you might be struggling with or the need you have in your life. He understands what that is. You know, I had somebody say, well, does Jesus really know what it was like to go to school? Well, we don't know exactly from the Bible uh, what Jesus went through as far as schooling goes, but we do know the culture. He would have been in school, and he would have uh, he would have learned a lot of scripture. That's why when he quotes scripture after scripture after scripture, it kind of lets us know he yeah okay could he have used his divine power sure, but do I think he did? Honestly, I think he knew those scriptures. To be honest, I think you he I think he studied those when he was a kid, and I think he was able to just spit them out because he knew uh, he already knew them, and so. When Jesus was here on earth, he went through some things and he knew what it was like to be tempted. He knew what it was like to go through things. You know, when John the Baptist died, you know, he says, I'm going to depart to the mountain to pray. And honestly, you know, I can't prove this, but I, my personal opinion on it is he needed time to mourn. He needed time to be with his father, you know, uh, Christ or God. He needed his time to be with father God and he needed that comfort from his father. And so uh, I'm only going to cover, I have six or seven points here. I'm, I'm just going to cover one more. I think that's, well, I'll, I'll cover two more. I'll go, I'll go quick. Uh, so number three or number two, Jesus is understandable. He knows what you're going through. Uh, number one was Jesus is approachable. Don't let that view uh, of Christ keep you back from going to him. Like he's going to be angry at you. He's going to be, he's going to beat you over the head like a, some sort of, uh, I don't know, some troll that's going to hit you over the head with a club. No, no, no. Jesus loves you. His ultimate goal is, is for you to uh, to be with him, to be in a relationship with him, and to live a holy life. Um, number three, I think Jesus is emotional. Uh, number three, Jesus is emotional. You know, I think it's important, you know, when, when, I, when you say this, that he doesn't make emotional decisions. I, I want to separate those two. Before I even get into this, he's, I'm not saying Jesus at all is making, walking around, making emotional decisions. You know, he sees, oh man, you know, so-and-so's cat died. I need it. No. Jesus more, I guess more what I'm trying to say is Jesus knows what it's like to sorrow and he knows what it's like to comfort our, our sorrow. And we see that in John. I'm going to turn over to John chapter 11. Uh, and the famous story, uh, Lazarus here passing away. Uh, and, you know, when he gets to 
when he gets to the to the graveside, right, he does say he groans in his spirit. There's things going on. You know, they're they're making a big deal about it. But he knew the whole time what he was going to do, his whole plan. That didn't honestly, you know, that's something that's interesting if you think about it. He knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He, he even told his disciples, uh, I'm doing this for the glory of God. Yet he still wept at the at the um, at the at the graveside, and I think it's it's that's an important note. But John eleven, uh, th- verse thirty three, yeah, it says, and when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. See, he was he was he was understanding what they were going through. He was troubled, and he says, okay, where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And then these next. Two verse, these next two words in, in verse 35, I think, are one, some of the most powerful verses in the entire Bible. Jesus wept. And, you know, we, we laugh because we memorize that as a kid. Oh, I know a verse, Jesus wept. But that shows us right there, Jesus knew what it was like to weep and mourn over someone he loved. And because, you know, for God so loved the world, we know he loves the world. And I can only think, you know, when he went to, um, uh, what was it, the top? Uh, the, I can't think of the off the top of my head, but he, he mourns over the city of Jerusalem. You know, I think just if you if you look at this here, he, he's mourning over someone he deep, deeply cares about. Jesus knows what it's like to go through pain, and he knows what it's like to comfort pain. So when when you feel like okay, I don't have anyone I can go to, nobody's going to understand this pain. Well, Jesus does, and not only does he understand pain, he understands loss. Um, this is again kind of one of my opinions, but. We, we don't ever really hear about Joseph in uh, his fa- his earthly father. We don't really hear about Joseph much in in his earthly ministry. So and, and then when he dies on the cross, he tells a disciple to take his mother. Well, I don't really think he would have a disciple take his mother and have her live with him if he had a, if she still had a husband. So Jesus, at some point, had experienced that loss. And you might say, well, you know, he wasn't really his father. I mean, yeah, but he raised Jesus. Right, he was with Jesus. He he was a carpenter with uh, Joseph. Jesus was a carpenter with Joseph. They spent time together. They grew a relationship. They had a bond. He might not have been his, you know, his his father as far as you know God the Father, but he was definitely an earthly father to him and a mentor. And so, yeah, absolutely, Jesus knew what it was like to lose even someone that close. And so I think, you know, realizing that Jesus knows, you know, he sees our tears. He's touched by our tears, he remembers our tears, and then he acts upon our tears, right? So when we cry out to Christ, he sees that, right? He saw Mary and Martha weeping. Not only did he see it, he was touched by it. And not only was he touched by it, then he remembered it. You know, you know, I need, there's something I need to do about this. And then finally, he acted upon it, right? He, he took action. He says, Lazarus, come forth. He comes forth. You know, everybody's crying because now out of joy, and Jesus ultimately was his goal was to bring honor to Christ or to God. So remembering that Jesus is 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 emotional, and I'm not speaking of again emotional decision, but he is emotional. And then lastly, I have more I could say, but I'm just going to wrap it up here because we're getting to the time limit. It, uh, Jesus is trustable, uh, or trustworthy is another word you could use, uh, and I think the one of the best passages of scripture. Uh, to see that out of its Proverbs. And uh, again, this is a very, very well-known verse. When I start reading it, you're going to probably quote it with me. It's famous, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path.
I think it's important to realize that Jesus is someone you can trust. Okay, there's a lot of things in this world that you cannot trust. Media, there's a lot of media that you can't trust. I mean, the weatherman, right? You know, you, you tune on the weather channel and he tells you, oh, it's going to pour rain all day. And then you look outside and, and it's sunny and 80 degrees. It's like, oh, okay. I don't, you know, I, then you, you wonder why people have trust issues. But <laughs> but anyway, no, Jesus, he is one that he not only uh, asks you to trust him, but he asks you to do more than just trust him. He says, trust me with all your heart. And then, and then farther, he goes one more step and he says, but, and don't lean to what you think. Don't lean on your own understanding. It will fail you. If you devote your life to me, if you trust me with your life, I will make it profitable. But if you lean on your own understanding, I can't promise you that. You know, if we try to do our own thing, go our own path, a lot of times that path is, is not, it is not profitable. Think about it like this. If you're if you're marching through the jungle, Amazon, let's just say the Amazon, and you have you have two options. Either you have a tour guide who's been doing it for 50 years, who's going to take you through it, make sure you don't go into any dangerous spots, or you're like, well, I'd really like to do it on my own because I want to YouTube this thing. What, what are you more likely to probably die? <laughs> uh, which route? Well, your own way. Why? Because there's somebody experienced that can take you but you're choosing, making a conscious choice. You know, I think I'm going to do this on my own. And a lot of times, that's how we treat Jesus. Well, you know what, God? I'll call you when I need you, but right now I'm going to do my own thing. Well, there's Jesus Christ was on this earth. He knows what it's like to live it. He created you. Do you think he doesn't know how to take care of you? Well, he does, and he wants to, but too often we're so concerned about doing our own thing, what we want to do, that we completely forget about God's will and what he has for us to do. So I think that's important. And, you know, again, all of this, you know, summarizing all of this, if our view of Christ, as he's this troll up in the air that wants to hit us over the head with a bat, then, and if our our view of Jesus is just the son of God, you know, he's just, that's, he just sits up there, you know, he doesn't, you know, he might talk to God about me, everyone, no. If our view isn't him as a friend, as, as someone who can heal us, as someone who can understand us, as someone who can uh, can be talked to, as someone who can weep with us, then our view of Christ is wrong. Our view of Jesus is absolutely wrong. And honestly, I think it grieves. I think it grieves the Holy Spirit. I think it grieves Jesus Himself when our view of Christ is just well, He's just you know He's there, but I don't you know I don't you know I don't really know no. Our view of Jesus has to be that he is reliable, that he is trustable, that he is emotional, and he's understandable, he's approachable. And all the other ubbles you can put in there, he is. And he wants a relationship with us. He says, come unto me, everyone. You know, he says, for, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but I'm here to save you. I can save you. I, I made a choice to come down to earth, obeying the Father's will, and died for you because I love you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We know these things in theory. They're in our head. But are we actually practicing them? Are we living them? Okay, so you say, okay, Mateo, what is, what do I need to do now? I know these things now and I'm even aware of them. What should I do? Talk to him. He's approachable. Talk to him. Spend time talking to him. Say, you know what? And, and, and if, you've, if you've been away for a while and you say, you know, I haven't really been talking to him like I should, confess that. Ask forgiveness for it. And then move on. He is, he's understandable. He's approachable. He's not going to 
hit you over the head. He's not gonna he's not gonna smite you, you know, dead. No, he he wants a relationship with you. He wants to be with you. The question is, do you want to be with him? Do you want to spend time with the creator of the universe? Often when I was when I witness to people, I, I make this this um, this illustration. You know, I said if you had Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, you know, I'm a, I'm a Packers fan, so I'll use Aaron Rodgers. If if Aaron Rodgers was living in your house, and you were the world's biggest Aaron Rodgers fan, for those of you who don't know who Aaron Rodgers is, he's an NFL quarterback, a uh, football quarterback, um, and if he was living in your house, and you were his biggest fan, you know, you watched videos about him, you read books about him. But you never went and talked to him. You know, it's kind of kind of weird, right? You know, he's he's in your house. All you would have to do was go and talk to him. All you would have to do is literally walk across the hallway and speak to him. That would be really silly. And they, of course, everybody always agrees. Yeah, that's really that's really dumb. Why would you just go talk to Aaron Rodgers? Well, my question then is, why do we treat God like that? You know, we go to church on Sunday morning. We hear about him. We open up our Bible and we might read about him. But when the King of the Universe when the creator of the universe, when the one who died for your sins and loves you infinitely wants to spend time with you and wants to talk to you, why in the world wouldn't we want to talk to him? Why would not? Why would we not spend time with him? So it's a good question. It's something that I had to come with, uh, come to a realization that I was not spending time with Jesus like I needed to be. And when I started talking to Jesus and, and, and going to him about things, approaching him and saying, Jesus, you know, God, what do you think about this? I need your wisdom on this. I realized really quickly that he was there for me and he comforted me when I, uh, when my great grandfather passed away, he was there. You know, I talked a little bit about that already and I'll talk probably more about it in the future. There was a comforting calmness and peace when I got up at the funeral to preach that I've never had in my entire life. It was like, I wasn't even speaking. It was like he was speaking through me uh, obviously, we know that he wasn't actually talking, but he was enabling me. The Holy Spirit was leading me, and he was putting things on my mind. And I was able to preach with 100% clarity. And honestly, that feeling is something you can experience all the time about being a vessel God can use. And that's another podcast for another time. You know, uh, A vessel God can use. Are we a vessel God can use? If we're not, we can be. Right? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That verse is simply us agreeing with God about what he said is wrong. It's saying, God, I know this is wrong. You said it's wrong. I, I'm asking forgiveness for it. And then once you're forgiven for something, this is kind of a little rabbit trail. Once you're forgiven for something, keep it keep it forgiven. Don't pull it back up. You know, it always would make me mad when, you know, I would have a friend or whatever, and I would do something wrong, and then they pull it back up a month later. Oh, do you remember you did this wrong? That would frustrate me. Well, you know, Jesus, he doesn't do that. He's a friend who understands. He's a friend who's, uh, he is a real friend, a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and he knows that that's not at all what you should do, and he doesn't do it. So, again, remember, if your view is wrong of Christ, if your view is wrong of Jesus, it's not too late to fix it. It's too late when you're no longer here on earth. And then you have to stand before him and you see his glory and you see how much he loves you. And then you're like, well, there's nothing I can do now, right? I My time on earth has ended. Um, so why, we're, why our time on earth is here, why we are here, let's live for him and let's, let's love him. Let's go to him. Let's approach him because he's approachable. 
Uh, that's all I have for you today. I Again, this is something God's working on my heart, and we're on a journey together. You know, There's things God's still teaching me. There's principles he's still trying to work on me on. I am not perfect at all. Uh, but I do, I feel compelled. I feel like it's God, again, using me as a vessel to share things with you, uh, with you all that he's teaching me. Uh, and so I hope you guys have a great rest of your day, wherever you are. And I, uh, if you have any comments, questions, concerns, or even a story of healing, you can email me at highercausepodcast at gmail.com. That's highercausepodcast at gmail.com. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day. God bless.